go. What's going on, Kim Folk? Yes, sir. Welcome back to the Key to the City podcast. This is season two, baby. It's your Kim Folk. You cut your cousin Yoni. I appreciate y'all joining me once again. Uh, first season was a blast, man. I learned a lot uh, through trial and error, believe it or not. So I appreciate everybody that was patient with me. Everybody that's patient with me now because we're supposed to be live streaming, but you know your boy can't keep his mouth shut. And Facebook done put me in jail again for 30 days, old bastards. But that's neither here nor there. We're going to keep it pushing. And uh, thank you for everybody that's been supporting, liking, comment, sharing, whatever you've been doing to show your support for the podcast. Man, I sure appreciate it. I'm going to try to step my game up this second time around and uh, just get better with each and every episode. And today is no different. I have a wonderful, beautiful black queen in the building with me today. Y'all know this COVID-19 is popping and going on. So some of these interviews we're going to do virtually. Uh, but this queen is an award-winning CEO, master educator, and published author. That's right. She's also the founder of Jackson Education Support, which we're going to find out more about today, find out a little bit about her background, uh, how long she's been doing this, what inspired her to do it. And she probably can offer you some advice if you're looking to follow in her footsteps. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I want to welcome you, Miss Jillian Smart. What's going on, Queen? Hey, how you doing, Keani? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me, love. No problem. I appreciate you being patient with me. And I want to apologize for not being able to go live. I know that's so unprofessional of me to be in Facebook jail while I'm trying to call myself conducting an interview. But, hey, I have my First Amendment rights. Yeah, (laughs) it do. It's a damn shame you can't have a platform and speak your mind. But whatever, that's neither here or there. I'm glad you joined me, though. How you feeling today? Yeah. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's been a long, interesting day for me in the best way. You know, got to um, work through those obstacles to get stuff done. Yeah. You stand Corona free? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thankfully. Thankfully. Right. During the, um, you know, like when everything kind of started, naturally, there was like a big concern because, um, you know, like I'm working with kids. You know what I'm saying? I'm working right. with not is but i'm working with people in person for the most part that's why they come to me is because um you know like they need extra help and so being just on the computer the strict you know like e-learning approach it simply doesn't work for students who may have like mild learning disabilities or you know um Mm. just struggle with basic reading comprehension skills and so to put them in their online learning environment is difficult and staying COVID free is naturally you know more important than academics even you know Mm -hmm. um so it's it's been a blessing my clients have have remained healthy I've been healthy uh what about you oh yeah man you know uh you see I cut my beard down a little bit they said that COVID can get in your beard (laughs) So, <laughs> the particles I, are supposed to be able to attach to hair. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So I had to cut that thing down, but so far so good. I kind of think I already had it though. I hate to you sound like what? one of them, one of them people, but yeah, back in November of nineteen, uh, wow. I had flu-like symptoms. I was down for about a week. Went to the doctor. It was no flu. He just diagnosed me with an upper respiratory infection. They couldn't figure out what it was. So 
don't know. Why? I'm a knock on wood, though. Right. Mm -hmm. Allegedly, uh, you know, like once you get it, when you're infected, um, it's supposed to be unlikely, you know, for you to get it again. And if you do get it again, then at minimum, your immune system is supposed to be better equipped, you know, like to Mm -hmm. fight it out. So you don't have like the extreme symptoms. So we'll see if that proves to be true. Oh, so you're saying if I drop, then it probably ain't true then. Let's not. Let's not. <laughs> We're not going to claim it. All right. All right. Let's talk a little bit about you. Now, you're originally from Jackson, born and raised? Absolutely. Born and raised in Jackson, Mississippi. She's an original Jew. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about your educational background, where you went to school at, your degrees, things like that. Okay. Um, so, like I said, born and raised in, in Jackson. Um, I grew up like off of Capitol Street, um, mm-hmm. Clem Boulevard, you know, okay. uh, that area. And so, um, like elementary school early on, that's kind of the area where I went to school, you know, area where I grew up. And then we ended up uh, like moving uh, further north, still in mm-hmm. Jackson, though. And so I attended different middle schools. I have a lot of, you know, I'm not going to go through that list, (laughs) but I graduated uh, high school. I actually attended Terry. I think I was at Terry before you were at Terry. Uh I was at Terry in my ninth grade year, and I think you may have come to Terry um, our 10th grade year, Mm -hmm. if I I remember correctly. Correct. And so, um, yeah, so I graduated from Murrah, and then everybody knew to go to Ole Miss, you know, definite (laughs) shade on everybody that didn't go to Ole Miss. But uh, so I graduated from Ole Miss, um, and I took a whole lot of classes at Ole Miss, like a lot of people, you know, probably can attest to. Um, But I ended up leaving with a business minor and a major in chemistry. So Mm -hmm. I worked in um, pharmaceutical research briefly, and I worked as analytical chemist briefly, and it became really clear um, that I needed to pursue graduate education right? In order to succeed in the field. And I wanted to get my doctorate anyway. And so it didn't take a lot of pushing, you know, from Mm -hmm. my supervisors. Uh, Once I entered research, I wanted to be like them, you know, like I wanted my name to be on the research papers. And I wanted to learn also the skill sets necessary to, you know, like show up and show out when it comes to improving the health Mm -hmm. of people by developing uh, drugs that are effective without the, you know, complicated side effects. That was really like, that's what I saw myself doing at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went to grad school and I majored in uh, chemistry. I was working on my master's in chemistry. And so at the end of my master's degree program, we had to um, do like the teaching assistantship. Right. Mm-hmm. And this whole time I'm knowing I want to own a business, but I'm looking at the financial barrier to entry when you're talking about analytical chemistry. You know, like mm-hmm. one piece of equipment is, you know, like out of this world mm-hmm. uh, as an individual that's wanting to, um, to to start a business. And so um, I just like the wheel starts spinning when I got into the um, into the chemistry lab as an instructor you know, a graduate student, but, you know, as a graduate teach, teaching assistant is the best mm-hmm. way. 
say that because I don't want to be misleading at all. Right. Um, I'm studying to to finish up my degree as I'm helping like the freshman chem or like the transfer chem students. Mm-hmm. And in that role, I just can't really describe what, you know, woke up inside of me when it came mm-hmm. time to work with, the, with with my clients because I was in a really transitional phase, you know, mm-hmm. um, where I knew what my vision for myself was before I got to grad school. And once I got to grad school, things began to change. It started to get really like cloudy. I wasn't as clear in the vision that I had for myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And so kind of rebuilding and trying to make sense of it, this, you know, opportunity comes along and I'm starting to have fun again. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not so critically about everything. It's just fun. I'm doing right. I, I know um, enough about the content to go and find out the information that I don't know, you know, because I've taken countless chemistry classes, obviously. And I'm also building like relationships with people and we're laughing and having a good time. People come in hating to be in the lab, but still want to hang out and talk to me after lab. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. Yeah. And so um, anyway, uh, I really enjoyed, really, really enjoyed that. And so I decided uh, I wasn't really getting anywhere to be honest with you, when it came to, um, you know, like making that vision come true, you know, Mm -hmm. to bring it to fruition, I wasn't getting where I wanted to be as fast as I wanted to get there. Mm -hmm. And I also wasn't willing to wait anymore. I wanted something to happen now. And I was having fun, you know, doing the teaching part. So I decided to go ahead and pursue the alternate route um, to, get my license. Right. And so um, I pursued the alternate route. And I say that the alternate route program is the opportunity for people to um, get in the classroom who should have majored in education in the first place. Right. right? Okay. You didn't know that you should have made majored in education. And mm-hmm. um, the and you, you discovered that along your path and the alternate route is really like um, a super quick, you know, um, painless way to get in the classroom, even if you think that you want to be an educator, even if you think that you want to work with young people or high schoolers or whatever, the alternate route programs uh, are a good way, you know, to kind of, you know, test the waters. But I knew that that was what I wanted to do. I ended up um, getting my license and getting in the classroom. Um, I was in the classroom briefly. Um, I taught naturally chemistry and physical science. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, after that, I decided that um, I went through some health issues, you know, and as I was recovering and coming back to myself, I decided that the best thing for me to do would be to be in control of my time. Right. Mm-hmm. To be in control of um, my schedule and, and my energy output. Um, and so starting your business is, you know, starting a business is, 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 you know, it's, it's not an easy way to do it. Cause I don't want to mislead people being a business owner and be, you know, everything falling on you is right. definitely not, you know, it's not a no brainer and it's not the no brainer part is knowing what your passion is. Like once you figure that out, then, you know, the how 
as far as how to bring it to fruition, that requires a tremendous amount of effort. And I was willing to go into that direction because, again, spending time with my clients um, before they were my clients, spending time with students, tutoring. You know, I had a history of, of tutoring, mm-hmm. but I wasn't even realizing that that was the um, that was. I was building a foundation. Right, right, right. For what I'm doing now. Um, so anyway, I have my master's in education, I'm nationally certified tutor. Um, I continue, you know, like professional development um, work. One of my favorite um, areas to study is like social emotional learning, because I believe that there is not just about cognition. It's not just about thinking. You know, a lot of times you see people not performing or not um, showing up. Uh, as their best selves because mm-hmm. um, they lack motivation or they lack confidence. And the social emotional learning piece kind of speaks to that and equips educators to equip learners to rise to the occasion, you know? Right, right, right. So what made you uh, decide to take that leap of faith and start Jackson education support? Or yeah. when did you decide to do that? Yep. So, um, it was 2012. That's when I launched Jackson Education Support. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I had I was working on my first book, and the title of my first book is Parent Support: Thirty Ways to Support Your Child's Education. Mm-hmm. And the purpose for me, uh, like starting on that book, is of course, like I said, I mentioned I was you know dealing with some health stuff. And so um, there was a lot of idle time. You know, you're sitting waiting for your body to heal and improve. Um, And so my mind is still going like 90 to nothing, though, even though I need to be still. Right. And so that's kind of where the book came in is I was getting out all of these things that I wanted to say to my parents before I left the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the advice that I wanted to share with my parents and the resources as well that I felt like if parents had these tools, then they would be better equipped to support their kids. Um, so as I was working on that, um, you know, it just it just seemed like natural. My uh, my master's do my master's program was coming to close. I was wrapping that up. Um, and, you know, like while I was wrapping up the master's degree program and while I was uh, wrapping up their first book, I was also working on a business plan. So when it came, mm-hmm. you know, when go time, I knew it was coming. I didn't know when, but I knew right. I was not going to be, you know, like in that space forever. Mm-hmm. Kind of hear people talk about, um, you know, if you um, stay ready, you don't have to get ready type of thing. Facts. And then there are other quotes that probably better uh, demonstrate my point. Um, but what I'm trying to say is I use that downtime to make sure that when the opportunity presented itself, that I was ready. So I was playing around with like branding. I was studying mm-hmm. like marketing, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, all of those good things. So as the clients came, you know, I was ready to meet the need. What does a prospective client look like for Jackson Education Support? When I think about that question, it's very difficult for me to answer um, mm-hmm. like in a like succinct way because I work with so many different type types of people. That's mm-hmm. like the best part of what I do, in my opinion. So from preschool to professionals, you know, I get to work with a lot of different types of people. 
my specialty subject areas are literacy, math, and science, right? Naturally, the science piece makes sense because of my science background. Mm -hmm. And you don't get to a point like um, where you're studying chemistry and you don't have a strong math background. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the concepts and the math kind of go hand in hand. Right. right? And then the writing piece is just something like I wrote poetry uh, in middle school. I probably started writing poetry and I always uh, like journaled or, mm-hmm. you know, wrote for self-expression. And so when you do something that you're interested in and you're passionate about and it's not necessarily for a grade, then you get better at it. Right. Over right. time. When you go to English class, you're picking up on different things because you're trying to make your own, you know, material better, whatever you're working on in private. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how that works. Um, but in addition to that, naturally, um, like I said, I, pre- I pursue professional development so I can help students with dyslexia. So I can help students um, who, you know, like when you're in like preschool, when you're like the younger age children, um, they're they're deemed too early. Right. Mm-hmm. To sit for a dyslexia screening. But there are certain. um red flags that are uh, apparent to a trained eye, mm-hmm. you know? And so I've learned um, that phonetic instruction is something that's very uh, important when it comes to really teaching all learners, you know, but specifically dyslexia learners benefit from that. So that's one type of client that I work with. Um, I've worked with students on the autism spectrum, right? Mm. And um, I've worked with students with, um, ADHD, ADD, you know, attention deficit challenges. And Mm -hmm. so learning how to self-regulate. Then again, you're dealing with a situation where it's not just about academics. We're talking about um, um, some of those soft skills, you know, the social emotional learning piece, Mm -hmm. self-regulation, helping them figure out, you know, time management, you know, um, those types of things. And so go ahead. I'm trying to get a visual of what it looks like. Are you uh, working directly with the kids or do you have a staff of teachers or tutors that go out and work with them where you just uh, pretty much establishing their relationship with them? And then you have uh, other tutors that carry out uh, your program with the students or you're directly working so, yeah, yeah, I work directly uh, with students. The mm-hmm. bread and butter of the business is private tutoring and exam pre- preparation. So mo- most of my time is, spilt, is spent one on one with students. But okay. I also work with educators as well. So like you have educators that talk about getting highly qualified educators into the classroom or helping educators who are already in the cr- classroom earn the certification. So they have to pass the teacher test, the practice. Right. So mm-hmm. I get help teachers pass the practice. Maybe I'll work with them one-on-one. Sometimes I've been invited out to the school to work with a group of teachers uh, to study um, for the test, to pass the test. But when you ask me about me having a staff, that's not how my business model is set up. Okay. I, um, I help people become um, like stronger in their weak areas. And I also connect students with people who are experts in areas that I'm not an expert in, right? Twofold. One, I I, I build a network with like-minded people who want to help students. And so once my calendar is full, then I do refer out to other people. So I encourage people, you know, like to reach out and connect with me. 
Um, mm-hmm. Because if, if we, you know, if we, if educators like network and, you know, like work together, then we can better support students because I'm not strong in every area and I'm not trying to be strong in every area. Right, right, right. I want to do what I love. That's why I'm doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it may be somebody else who uh, like loves French, for example. You know, it's not very like I'm not into helping people with foreign languages. Spanish is it. And it's just because I had to take it at Ole Miss, you mm-hmm. know. Right. Um, but um, also, um, partnering with organizations is another way um, that I get to like expand my reach, providing, you know, like the larger workshops for conferences. Um, mm-hmm. So I may be called in or uh, submit a proposal and um, I get to go in and train a group of educators or I get to go and train a group of um, parents even on, you know, like whatever the theme for that uh for that conference is, I would submit a proposal that's appropriate for that thing. So uh, with the character piece, again, my sophomore project, Cultivating Grit, I've, I have two different trainings for that. And one is Kids with Grit. That's a training specifically for parents. Um, but I've done it with educators, too, because it's like the funner, lighter, not so technology or not technology, not so terminology heavy mm-hmm. um, um, training. And then I go deeper with the training that's uh, character and content right Um, and so I talk about some of the theory behind it for people who are interested in like the pedagogy or um, the instructional best practices and you know like all of the you know I don't know what else to say besides terminology nothing else is coming to me but you get what I'm saying (laughs) yeah did Did you um, face any obstacles trying to get JES off the ground oh absolutely I still do I still do Share some of those with us. Um, So I think that question that you asked me about as far as um, um, who my ideal client, like what my ideal client looks like, Mm -hmm. my desire uh, to have variety in my life, you know, and my desire to like tackle challenges. makes it difficult for me to be like if there's some people like you may hear about a tutor and that tutor only does act math right mm-hmm. or you may hear uh you may know educators right and mm-hmm. they taught english for 30 something years you know or um you know i'm sure i could come up with a lot of other examples but my point is i could not see myself like my life couldn't look like that because it doesn't work for my personality. It's wonderful mm-hmm. for people that it works for. You know what I mean? Right. Because um, you know it's definitely a, a lot of benefits. But for me, I need that variety. And so, um, with that need for variety, comes a lot of different, um, you know, a lot of different challenges for sure. For sure, makes sense. So. Uh, I know you're a major advocate for education. You still believe that that's the uh, that's still key to a prosperous and productive life? Oh, absolutely. Since when I was a child, um, that was just the conversation at home. You know, mm-hmm. um, go to school, be quiet, make sure your grades are good when the report cards come out. You know, mm-hmm. like that was the conversation. So early on, I bought into that idea that academics are really important and that's something that I need to get, you know, mm-hmm. and early, you know, on, of course, I'm getting it for my parents. But over time, 
you know, and my parents like exposing me to different opportunities where you see people who've, um, you know, taken advantage of the academic opportunities that they've been um, like able to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. And you see that uh, kind of manifest in their lives, you know. Right. Um, and so I kind of I wanted that. I wanted to be really good at school. Um, and I wanted to help other people, you know, like live their best lives when Mm -hmm. it came to getting, you know, what they needed to get out of school for sure. Um, yeah. That's what's up. Now dealing with young people, um, I'm sure you've been keeping up with, uh, everything that's been going on currently in America with, uh, the police murders and brutality and protests and the uh, rioting and everything that's going on. Uh, And we all know that uh, interaction with police and uh, those negative interactions kind of affect the black community uh, disproportionately. Um, If you had to have a conversation with those young students, those young minds, uh, and I know you're not a law enforcement officer, but uh, just somebody who knows that children are impressionable and, um, you know, when they're introduced to certain situations, uh, it can really harm them from life mentally based on how they view things, uh, which could have a negative impact on them as adults. What do you think would be the best advice for children, especially young black children, when it comes to interacting with the police? Because we've seen situations where um, the victim has been kind of defiant and trying to tussle with the police and it ends badly. Then we see situations where the victim is fully cooperative and they still end up dead. So, um, like, what type of conversation would you have with a young black student? In regards to that, so the first thing that um, that I would like to say, if you'll allow me, is like all of that turns my stomach and it completely disgusts me, Mm -hmm. right? And um, it stirs up like something inside of me that I really don't have the words for. Um, Mm -hmm. The best way that I could um, express that was at one point on Facebook, my banner image was like the police station on fire right (laughs) yeah some people may have seen that and felt like she supports this type of violence or she supports this type of vandalism or arson you know this Mm -hmm. is the type of response that jillian supports right Mm -hmm. and it couldn't be further from the truth right that's how i felt on the inside Right. You know what I mean? Because I'm a very sensitive person. And so those types of things affect me in a way where I can't even sit and watch like the video uh, recently. Um, George um, Floyd. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I still haven't watched the whole thing like that type of stuff is not for me. So I'm not going to talk on that real long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I got to say about that piece. But when it comes to my students, like. That's when the game face come on, you know, like get out of our feelings Yeah. because my students came to me and I get, I work with white students, black students, white educators, black educators, you know, 
Um, but some of my students came to me, um, you know, like during the pandemic, naturally clientele dropped significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those um, who continue to come, you know, all of this protest slash rioting slash, you know, looting um, is all over the news. And kids are paying attention. I mean, as, as young as elementary school, mm-hmm. you know. Like they're really paying attention. And so my response, and they really want to know what we think, you know, right, right, right. But my response is what's more important than what I think is what you think. Like, what do you think about it? You know, okay. You're not out in that environment, but what I like to encourage students to do is to figure out how do you feel about what you're observing, you know, mm-hmm. and what kind of decisions would you make? Right. And my message to them is to make sure that you act with purpose, because what you just said was it doesn't matter if you um, if you're doing the right thing, if you're not doing the right thing, you know, they're still going to, you know, pop mm-hmm. up. even if the general public clearly sees that this is murder. Right. We're going to see some, you know, PC statement about investigation. Right, you right, know, right. We're right. going to see some PC statement um, about and it's definitely not PC is, it's, you know, it's not as politic, politically incorrect, you know, <laughs> in my opinion. Right. Um, but we're going to see something foolish about an autopsy, you know, when everybody saw what happened. And so my that's just my mission to my I mean, that's my message. To my clients, no matter their age is, what would you do and why would you do it? You know, and you get some silly answers when you're talking to young people. You get silly answers that don't make sense or that make sense, but that aren't rooted in something that they genuinely feel. And so that's what my goal is when I'm talking to them is to help them get at the root of what they're feeling as opposed to having this mob mentality. Because Mm -hmm. I think people, even when you talk about racism, when you talk about all of these different things, um, you know, like the negative parts of society, right? A lot of it is rooted in this mob mentality. You have individuals who aren't thinking for themselves, mm. you know? Mm. And so uh, that's just my personal opinion. And right. I'll, uh, I'll get off my little soapbox about that. <laughs> but that's, 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 the, that's the take-home point. For, I mean, that's the take-home message when I have conversations uh, with my client. That's not a hypothetical question that you ask me. You know, that's, that's mm. been my real deal, even today. Earlier today, I dealt with three black men, young men, mm. you know, who, who came in, you know, like earlier today. And um, it affects them, you know, and mm-hmm. people are tempted to, to get out and, and behave in ways that they don't even understand. And that's just my warning is make sure whatever you do, you know, you, you think about it. Just take your time. Right. Absolutely. I dig that. Should I could use that myself. Maybe if I would have thought about what I was saying, I'd be able to live stream on Facebook right now. But <laughs> F y'all, man. Key to the City podcast, Jillian Smart, founder of Jackson Education Support in the building with us. Uh, Queen, before we let you go, what's some advice that you can give to um, maybe young men and women that want to follow in your footsteps, uh, establish their own organization to help the community? but they don't know where to start or they might be hesitant or, you know, fear may be a major obstacle for them. What's some advice you have for them? Yeah. So when it comes to fear, like the only way to get over it is by doing it. Right. Amen. Um, if you, if you like pay attention to my brand, I've been active on social media for years, you know, mm. since 2012, probably. Um, and definitely since 2013. 
but you won't see very many videos, right? And mm. so even, you know, like I'm opening my stuff up constantly to new things that are not as comfortable, you know, like right. for me. And video is a great way to like get your brand out there. And so th- my advice would be to, you know, pinpoint the fear, name the fear and, you know, like move through it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if you keep moving around it, um, then it just doesn't serve you. You don't get right. to see how strong you are. You don't get to make mistakes, you know, because that's something I talk to my clients about all the time in academics. You know, like we encourage students to to be open to that uh, process of failure and recovery and growth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I would say the same thing to um, to anybody who's thinking about starting a business or who's um, in business and wants to grow the business. Um, I have a ton, you know, more to learn. I have a call tomorrow, you know, like with a mentor. I keep mentors. I keep people um, close to me. I hunt people down so mm-hmm. that I can ask them questions and bounce ideas off right. of um, and they, you know, like you, it does, you, you can learn from people who are in business that are not in your niche, that are mm-hmm. not in your industry even, you know, and I think that that's important. Um, and then probably the, uh, next thing that I see so often is, um, like people looking at business and thinking that you have to have so much money, people mm-hmm. looking at business and thinking that, you know, like not being able to see themselves just starting somewhere. Right, you know, right, right. When I first started, my I had one client that I saw, I think it was like two times a week, mm-hmm. like every week. And that it was just like that. You know, I'm spinning up my little savings, <laughs> you know. Right. I'm spinning up all, you know, mm-hmm. all, uh, you know, my little pocket money. Um, because I believe in what I want, I believed in what I was creating, you right. know, and you right. just got to feel it in your gut. And if you do feel it in your gut and you're not stepping out on it, then you're, you're doing yourself a disservice, you know. Ooh, you preaching up here. <laughs> and I would, and I'll probably add patience too, because that's one thing I struggle with. Um, I want shit to happen overnight, boy. Ooh. And, uh, I'm glad you said that. You had been building your brand since 2012, and uh, I just started with the podcast last year. So it's like, um, regardless of me giving 100 percent effort for it, it's still going to take time to build it to where I want to build it to and gain an audience, a faithful audience. So I'm glad you said that, man. I'm uh, that's motivation for me to just, you know, really conquer each day as opposed to looking way down the line and getting discouraged. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, what they say, I've heard this uh, quote, um, people who spend too much time in the past um, are usually have to uh, like grapple with depression and people who spend too much time Thanks. in the future have to grapple with anxiety. Anxiety. Yes, Lord. <laughs> and so, I, was, like, I was diagnosed with both. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. figuring out how to like be centered, your girl goes to yoga. Do you hear me? Mm, okay. I like extra. I'm working on getting to the next level. I do like uh, the meditative restorative yoga is the type of yoga class that I attend. And, um, you know, meditation um, is not like I drive around. I don't listen to anything in my car. You mm-hmm. know, um, I do a certain thing, certain um 
behaviors that I've developed over time from listening to other people and watching people who are more successful or older, wiser, you know, Mm -hmm. um, as well. Um, There's certain, you know, behaviors that I've been intentional about that help me stay away from the past and stay away from the future. You know, not spend too much time there because you got to plan and you want to learn from your mistakes. But you want to spend, you know, you got to spend most of your time now here, Mm -hmm. you know. Ooh, you just gave a word. <laughs> Thank you, Jada. I so appreciate that. But I need to engrave that into my heart and remember it. Those times I'm always, yeah, anxiety, depression is about to take me out of here, man. Yeah, and you can't let it up. Like you got mm-hmm. so. You froze up. Don't do this. We almost done. Like, you know, like when you get into whatever it is that you, there you go. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, when I see you like working on different projects, you know, eventually it comes to me. Like I, I, it pops up, you know, it's so popular online that I end up finding out about it, even if you and I haven't uh, spoken and seeing you and your element is just, it's it's like, it's like the best. You got to keep doing it. I appreciate that. Miss Smart, that makes me feel good. I appreciate it. Yeah. I will. I won't stop. I damn near quit tonight, but uh, I like nah. I can't. <laughs> I can't go out like that. But absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Well, we appreciate you stopping through the city today. Uh, tell my kin folks how they can find out more about Jackson Education Support. How they can contact you. Uh, yeah. I was operation. Yeah. Um. So I only work with clients by appointment. Okay. And so um, I've had people like call or stop by the office and, you know, text me or call me, you know, like irate because I'm not here. Mm. And the best way uh, for us to connect is to either call. Um, the number is 601-724-2152. And the website is the best place to schedule like any service that you need. There's a list of services and trainings that are provided. The URL um, is je411.com. Super simple and short. That's je411.com. And I have a blog there. I create products. We didn't even get on that. Um, I kind of my time. Say it again. Speak on it. Yeah. So um, I create products. So once I get to work with clients and I figure out, you know, the best way to serve a client, be it, you know, like I said, a younger client, a college student, whatever age, even with working with educators, I've developed, you know, quick, easy um, resources that you can download from the website. I've even even gathered like free resources. Um, so you just visit je411.com. You can kind of see what I'm about and read the blog and check out some of the tools that I've created for parents and educators. Okay. Um, social media handles. Yeah. So at je underscore services. That's mm-hmm. at je underscore services. Um, that's the handle for Twitter and Instagram. And then on Facebook, it's just at Jackson Education Support. All one word. Word. Y'all check out. I'm so proud of you, Queen. Uh, as always, it's good to speak with you. I'm glad to see you doing your thing. I'm glad to see you keep your head on straight. Uh, didn't, know, didn't let everyone knock you off your path during this time, man. 
I'm just uh, happy for you, man, and proud of everything that you're doing and the impact that you're making in the community. And I see you doing, continue to do great things. So keep it up. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Thank you. You're welcome. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Key to the City podcast, we headed out. This was episode one of season two. We had the Queen Jillian Smart in the building with us, the founder of Jackson Education Support. Y'all continue to support her, continue to support the podcast, and pray for your boy, man. I can keep my mouth shut on these social media platforms. You dig that? <laughs> we out this thing, man. Peace and blessings. Love y'all. Peace. <laughs> I think it's going to cut you off once I hear. I'm going to text okay. you. Okay. Um, Thank